Welcome to Massive Damage Adventures, a one-shot actual play role-playing game podcast. My name is Merrick Moyer. I'm the Dungeon Master, Storyteller, Lore Master, and All-Around Host. Every month, I run a one-shot using a different system, pulling in a different cast of players. All intellectual properties, including game material, setting material, music, and whatever else, is used without permission. None of it is ours. We're just using it to enhance our gameplay. But, an extra special thank you to Hayden Lister for letting us use his song Rediscovery as our intro. Check out more of his music at ReverbNation.com slash Hayden Lister. H-A-Y-D-E-N-L-I-S-T-E-R. Also, please rate and subscribe and follow us on Twitter at SkyHammerK and on Instagram at SkyHammerPress. If you want to run your own games and need a few ideas... Check out our Roll D4 adventure prompts on social media. And if you pledge a dollar a month at patreon.com slash skyhammerpress, you get four full adventure seeds on every Roll D4 adventure. Welcome to this bonus episode of Massive Damage Adventures, featuring an interview with Ian Lemke, lead designer of the Expanse RPG by Green Ronin Publishing. Ian, thank you for coming. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Yeah, it is a pleasure. And so for Listeners, we've got a couple of questions, some from me, some that have been submitted by players um, and from people on Twitter. And Green Ronin was kind enough to offer two PDF copies of the Expanse core book as giveaways. So Ian and I will be announcing the winners for those during the, uh, during the podcast. And then we'll get in touch with people afterwards. So, Ian... You have been a RPG designer for three decades? Close to. Wow. Quite that long. 20, <laughs> well, I was 25 when I was hired by White Wolf originally, so 26 years. But wow. um, like a year of doing stuff before that. So, yeah. Almost three mm-hmm. decades. <laughs> That's Exciting. And then most recently, you've done some work with Modiphius, and you're the lead game designer for The Expanse for Green Ronin. Mm -hmm. So in all of this that you've done, what draws you back to designing RPGs? What's fun about it for you? Um, It is what I enjoy doing most. I mean, above and beyond anything. I... uh, I was in I was in the games industry for about about five six years with White Wolf, um, and then after the layoffs there, uh, it kind of needed some downtime and, and stepped away for for a few years. Um, did a little bit of freelance, but that was about it. Um, and then I ended up in the computer game industry um, for about ten years, um, and that was exciting. And I really enjoyed what I did. I worked on two. Uh, big MMOs. Uh, one was an indie game and one was AAA game. Uh, that it was uh, uh, Elder Scrolls Online. Um, but in all of that, I, I realized I was missing something and I that I, I missed doing role-playing games. I, I missed doing tabletop role-playing games because it's still what I enjoy doing the most. I 
played role playing games far more than I played computer games. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was where my heart was. It was what I loved doing. <clears throat> and even though it meant taking a severe pay cut um, and, uh, and a whole lot of work, I decided to jump back in. Um, and I guess it's been about five, six years now since I decided that, since I made that move, uh, the first big thing I did, uh, 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 Onyx Path was doing the 20th anniversary edition of Changeling the Dreaming. Mm-hmm. So I was involved with that, wrote a good chunk of that. Um, and that, that was sort of my, my dive back in. But then I decided, you know, see what's happened, see what happens. And uh, went to Gen Con, um, went around, started talking to people and saying, hey, I don't know if you know me. You know, I, I did this a little bit before. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, managed to get some more work. And that led to The Expanse. Uh, ended up doing some writing initially uh, on, for the core rulebook, uh, and then ended up developing the fir- freelance developing the first book, uh, first uh, book after that, which was Etsu's Bounty, um, and ended up going uh, full time with uh, Green Running. Yeah, that's incredible. That's a lot of fun. And I read that besides tabletop RPGs, you're also a big LARP fan. In my past, in my youth. in your past, not recently. <laughs> no, I haven't done a whole lot recently. I, I, I miss it. I do. Mm. Um, it, it's mostly a time thing for me now. Right. That it just uh, it just takes a lot of time, a lot of effort. Um, but yeah, I, I ran my own LARP for about. Uh, well, I got into the game industry initially from LARPing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, when Vampire the Masquerade came out, a friend of mine, I mean, we're, we played in this in the Shadowrun LARP. And completely fell in love with the idea. Shadowrun LARP, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, there was some some friends at Johns Hopkins uh, that went to Johns Hopkins, ran it. Um, and uh, yeah, it was incredible. It's like 75 people or something, the first one I was in, and just people running around being crazy. I just never <laughs> experienced anything like this. And I I, I was like, we, we have to do this. And I got I drug my friend Mike along and uh, to, to another one, and he, he got as excited as I did. We were trying to figure out what we wanted to do a LARP of, and then Vampire the Masquerade came out. We're like, this this right. needs to be a LARP. <laughs> you know, it would be yeah, better as sure. a LARP, which, <laughs> as it turned out. Um, so, yeah. And, yeah, we ended up writing our own system and everything and invited white, uh, the folks at White Wolf to come, and they miraculously showed up to our little LARP in Harrisburg, <laughs> Pennsylvania. Um, and, uh, but they liked what we'd done, and it turned out they were designing the masquerade at that point, and so we got invited in on that. The rest is history. That's Yeah, that's really cool. And, I mean, I suppose right now LARPing might be a bit of a, bit of a sore spot since we're all still social distancing and everything. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel for people who, who are regularly LARPing. I, I, yeah. I then ran a fantasy LARP for like 10 years, in addition to all the vampire games I ran and all that. I loved it. Um, there were spinoff games from the one that I started, which I remained a little bit involved with. Um, but uh, I haven't actually hardcore LARPed for, for years now. Um, mm. But I do miss it. I still have bins and a, and a closet full of costumes and which makes you know halloween easy yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I really feel for people who larp regularly because it's hard now mm-hmm. and uh are you playing anything regular online these days any campaigns going on i actually have an ongoing star trek game that's been going for seven years 
Wow. Um, yeah, we I, we figured out we've played over 500 hours of, of game time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah it, so that yeah, that's been going on. I started it in person when I was living in Baltimore with uh, some old friends of mine there. Uh, and then when I moved back down to Atlanta, we continued it online. So that works out well because we were already playing online. Um, I also have uh, been running a Call of Cthulhu campaign um, that we've been doing that occasionally on online. I weirdly often don't, and this has always been the history for me, that I don't often uh, run campaigns of games that I'm a developer for. Hmm. Uh, it's I think because I'm I'm in it so much every day. Yeah, you know I'm I'm, I'm working on, it. and I I do run a lot of one shots and and play you know, like I ran I just wrote a PDF adventure that'll be out in a in a wee bit. Um, and you know I play tested it like three times. So you know. yeah, yeah, it feels a little bit more like work. Yeah, it's to be doing that the same. I time. guess I mean I I'd probably enjoy it, but yeah, <laughs> I I, I kind of like to run things that are, are somewhere a little bit different from what I'm doing. Yeah, and I find creatively that doing something different than mm-hmm. what you're working on will make the work flow a lot faster. Exactly. Exactly. So that makes sense to me. And so bouncing, if, oh, sorry. yeah, no, go ahead. I was just saying bouncing around to other systems and such other, other worlds sort of, you're able to take that inspiration and ideas from other places and bring it back to mm-hmm. what you're working on. But yeah, sorry. Oh, no, not at all. We're here to talk to you. <laughs> I'm just I'm just feeding the questions. Um, so if we go into the expanse, uh, mm-hmm. I'm very interested. Uh, I was a Kickstarter backer, awesome, and I'm very much excited for Abzu's bounty. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to hear what was your favorite part, obviously without spoilers, uh, in developing that long form campaign. Um, I think I mean. It, because it was very story oriented, and I I've found my my strength as a writer. I believe. Uh, I mean, developing is one thing, but as a writer, I really enjoy creating stories. Um, that's what I like doing. So, creating this sort of epic tale that runs in parallel with the existing book neo novels uh, was with that, that alone was just very exciting to get to play in this world and explore places that were maybe talked about, but but never, you know, you never actually see or read about. Um, that that was probably the most exciting aspect of it. Just just being able to create stories in that world, in that universe. Mm-hmm. I'm also a big, big fan of that universe. I've read the books multiple times, watched the show twice through. Um, I am also very interested where are you most excited to take the game line? Do you want to um, go out and explore? Uh, do you see it being really political? Uh, or are we seeing, you know, strange new worlds sort of thing? I hate to say it, but all of the above. Uh, of course. Oh, it, good. It, because as we go along, uh, the books are going to sort of um, advance the timeline as a, um, the the next book ships of the expanse is that's sort of set in the same era um, anything up to you know up through book four essentially the, the ships that are in there are appropriate for um, but then the next one after that is beyond the ring which is all about 
spoiler alert, but the slow zone and everything beyond the mm-hmm. ring. And, and then we, and we have a big sec, a whole chapter on Medina station and how Medina station functions and what it's like to live there or visit there. Um, and, and then of course the world's beyond the rings. Uh, and we, uh, we, we touch on each of the worlds that are mentioned in the novels. Like we, we do give, uh, a good section on that, but then we were allowed to create our own worlds as well. Good, and good, that's good. where we really, uh, we really expanded it. And each of those is like fully fleshed out with tons of details and all Ooh. that. So you figure, you know, anything from the, from the novels, you know, people can kind of get that information from the book. If they read them, uh, but we did right. a nice summary for each, each of them. But then our, our new ones is where we really dug in and, and got to have fun. Uh, all, all making sure that they fit within the Expanse universe, of course. Um, and then we did some fun things like there. Well, there's rules for creating your own systems as well. That was going to be my next question. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, in addition to that, rules for for uh, creating your own colonies and for player for players to run or character player characters to run their own colonies. Ooh, that's um, good. That's so, a you pillar know, you don't. That's a pillar in gameplay that isn't always supported very well. Like exactly. building something from the ground up. Yep. And we have a whole chapter on that, on just, you know, how to, how to run your own colony. And then like, what, what happens? Does it increase in size or decrease? And, and then, and then if, if you want to run a campaign, you know, focused around that, there can be things that happen that the characters, you know, have to deal with. They might have to go off and get supplies somewhere because, you know, something got pirated or they. No death slugs. Death slugs, or they have to go down down to the planet and deal with something there. So there's all kinds of possibilities to keep this, you know, to keep your colony alive. Um, mm-hmm. You have adventures that actually you know, impact that. Um, so yeah, cool. I'm really excited about that. And then beyond, yeah, I'm getting excited about that. <laughs> the one beyond after that sort of almost takes a step back a little bit, but and, and there was some debate about it. But the core rulebook covers like the soul system fairly well. It's there, but it doesn't really give you a full feeling of what you know what all's going on in, in our system here you know what stations are out there what you know how, how are how are the politics working and all of that and there are so many things that are talked about like you know bioware uh that uh, you know, and things like that that just aren't in the rules at all so right. we're gonna have some expanded rules on equipment and for bioware and cybernetics and and that sort of thing how that works uh and then of just course. a ton of more details on corporations and, and criminal you know criminal organizations and all that to really give you a campaign a full campaign setting for mm-hmm. the expanse just in soul system and then i can't really talk about beyond that but i will say we yeah. Onward. <laughs> but you've got plans. They're coming. Okay. Yep. yep. And the equipment is going to include some black market upgrades that black market upgrades, <laughs> new types of armor, new types of you know, just just a lot of stuff for expanding what's already there. Um, very cool. Okay. Um, well, I think we could get into uh the submitted questions now. Okay. If you're ready for that. And I'll yep. just read and we'll find out what's <laughs> happening, what oh. these people want to know. Um, so <laughs> you're afraid <Yeah. laughs> it's okay. All right. We're going to go together. Uh, what is it like creating an RPG that's based on a book that's based on an RPG campaign from 20 years ago? <laughs> um, it's a lot of fun. I, I mean, I, I think the fact that, that there was clearly some game elements, 
uh, that are the core of the expanse that you might say that, that lend it, you know, better to, you know, a role-playing game. I mean, it was meant to be a game in the first place. So now, you know, it, 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 it extrapolates easier where some, uh, worlds, fictional worlds, it's like, okay, how do we do this in a game? I yeah. How do you model it? <laughs> how do you model it? Um, so th- those seeds were kind of already there. Um, mm-hmm. and now there's always limitations to working within a existing, uh, property. Um, you know, same thing with Star Trek or whatever, you've got to work within those guidelines. Uh, yeah. And so that's that's tricky, um, but sometimes it's also nice to sort of have those boundaries to bounce off of, so you don't go too far mm-hmm. <laughs> and find yourself, you know, in a place that you don't want to be. Yeah, so. and I mean, you're making you're making a product for mm-hmm. people who are fans. Mm-hmm. So having those guidelines makes those fans happier. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, and yeah, there is that there's, there's built in excitement, right? You know, you, yeah. there's people who are already excited about this. I imagine, especially ships of the expanse, there's going to be people who mm-hmm. buy the book who, you know, don't, maybe don't even play role-playing games. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. So closely related when working with material that is widely available in print and TV media, mm-hmm. where does your mind draw from the most when building a world or system what what one is most solidly in your mind I'm trying to wrap my head around that question exactly books um, or 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 tv show oh books absolutely uh the well our game is based off of the books off the novels right. um we are not permitted to use anything that is tv show only so mm-hmm. and that Good distinction that is probably the biggest confusion and complication of, of this game, honestly, um, <laughs> because there's a lot of material like in the wikis and stuff out there. And it's not clear. Is this from the book? Is this from the novel? So, you know, my knowledge and the writer's not various you know, freelance writer's knowledge and all that has to be pretty great <laughs> um, to be able to, to pull off rainfall, which makes finding writers a little tricky sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you maintain an internal wiki and sort of story bible that says like this is stuff we can 100 percent use um not really because it's so big i mean okay I, I, yeah I, that's I, fair i have i'm sort of doing my third read through of the books right now um and what i have been doing is pulling things out when there's something like okay mm. we need to deal with this at some point i'll you know oh. so i have been kind of doing that i guess that'd be really fun it is it's also yeah. tedious it's in- i'm thinking engaging with this story in a new way something that you know you don't do very often it is and it does make me pay attention more and it is exciting but it it can be because you know (laughs) often my reading times often before you know in bed with my kindle and i'll be like oh i gotta okay so i gotta highlight this and i gotta remember or i'll be i'll be like 15 pages long and i'll be like oh oh god that thing back there what was you know what was that (laughs) (laughs) i need to go i need to go back and and find that and make it so yeah it's it's fun though it it, and it does it does make you engage with material in a whole new okay uh so next one what do you do hmm for the little details that aren't in the books, how much is the writing team creating their own stuff? And how much do you go back to the authors to tie right. in Daniel? So, uh, yeah, I think I kind of talked about that with beyond the rain yeah. a little bit, actually, um, in that uh, 
we it, it needs to whatever we do needs to fit within the the expanse universe. We are permitted to create our own stuff, our own new stations or planets or uh, or ships or what have you. But they need to fit within the expanse universe. It, they, it needs to make sense that yes, they could be there. Um, but mm-hmm. the universe is big enough that frankly, there's all. I mean, especially with over a thousand new worlds beyond the rings, right? There's yeah. no way we're going to step on their toes. Now they do review everything we do, so you know if if there's something they don't like, they can say, eh, "Not that," you know. <laughs> but so far, we've been lucky. And I mean, the time jump probably makes it really easy too, because they're now writing and finishing their series 20 years past when most campaigns of the RPG are going to have their meat. At least for now. At least for now. <laughs> good hint. Good hint. Um, okay, this one's uh, a production-based one. Uh, what are the workflow and technical needs when developing a long-form licensed campaign like Abzi's Bounty? Uh, how much playtesting? How much consulting? Um, consulting, we, we don't actually consult with the authors until after everything's mm. done, which is dangerous, but they don't want to be looking at draft and draft, you know, multiple drafts. They want to see the final thing. Yeah. Um, now, you know, if we run into a big hiccup somewhere, well, then <laughs> that's fun. But, um, but so far, like I said, we've been pretty lucky on that. Um, we're, we're attentive, I guess. Uh, yeah, as far as Abzu's, I mean, playtesting, um, uh, all the event I did uh, run, all I did personally run most of the adventures in Abzu's Bounty. I can't say I ran all of them. I know a lot of the writers run some of their own as well, you know, their own playtests. Like I do when I'm writing, I mean, if I'm writing an adventure, I almost always try to run it with some friends at least. Um, I mean, it, it varies, but yeah, we, we give it as much playtesting as we can. I, Adventures, I mean, if you've been doing it for long enough, that there's a certain level of, I mean, uh, how much playtesting do you really need? But there, but as much as you can get is, is my answer to that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at that point, it's almost more story and substantive editing. You know how it's going to play on the table. You just need to make sure that it makes sense. Right, and exactly. And, I mean, with Abzu's Bounty, I did do a lot of just drafts and flowcharts for myself of, okay, this is where this is going, and that's where the, and that, that ties into that, and, you know, and making sure that it all fit together. Um, I mean, the one nice thing about Abzu's Bounty, though, at the same time, is it's very much designed so that each of the adventures, or at least most of them, could be played on their own. They're not, you, you wouldn't necessarily have to be playing the campaign. You could pull one of them out and change a few minor details and Boom, away you go. Hmm. There you go. Modular is always good. Mm-hmm. All right. Next question, and then let's do our first draw. All right. So, yeah. What sort of plans do you have for mechanics that could support high-level political play, like working on the scale of Avasarla or Fred Johnson? Uh, that kind of thing I couldn't talk about if we had it planned. Um, okay. I will say that there are books tentatively planned for the future that will be very, very, uh, heavily politically driven. Cool. But I can't really yep. talk. Can't about. talk about what you can't talk about. <laughs> Sorry, whoever uh, submitted sorry. that question. Did my best. I think yeah. I gave you enough of a hint with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Um, okay, so uh, if you want to do the honors, uh, for people listening, um, Ian has our list, and he's going to roll a die and announce. I've got a ten-sided die, and I got a six, which is Chase314. Ooh, congratulations, Chase314. Hopefully you're listening, and we will get in touch with you for your PDF code. Enjoy your book. Nice. Okay, next question. How are you making sure there is good, diverse representation of all people? Do you have any rules, fluff, or story that incorporates either disabled or non-binary folks? And, this is a multiple-barreled question, what are you doing to make sure that everyone feels welcomed and seen by your game? Those are, that's an excellent question. Right? Um, I will say that I'm trying to get better at that every single day. <laughs> um, and I have been um, re- doing my best to reach out to uh, authors who reflect all walks of life. Um, and as to the stories themselves, I think, honestly, with Abzus, for example, we probably could have done better there. Um, I'll, I'll be honest on that. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think we did poorly, but we, but I, I think we could do better. And I think there's always room for improvement. Um, I, I definitely would like to find uh, more non-cis white male <laughs> uh, writers in particular. So, you know, uh, if you're a writer and you fit that category, reach out to me. <laughs> there you go. But uh, it, but not to say I won't hire cis white male writers too. I hire everyone. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, uh, we, we're we're trying to make it as I mean the world of the expanse in particular is very uh, diverse. There is so many different types of people uh, in that universe, uh, and the and I think the show the and, and the 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 books do a pretty good job of of representing. Uh, people from all walks of life and try to bring that to the game as much as I can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's one of the things that keeps me returning to the expanse as well. Just the Mm -hmm. fact that the characters are so diverse, so well represented and so easy to fall in love with. Like Mm -hmm. a half a page of their writing makes me just want to follow this character forever, whoever they are. Exactly. No, very, very true. We, we hope to bring that to the game as well. I mean, yeah. there are some books, again, like Ships of the Expanse, it's all technical, you know, so. <laughs> mm, yes. Okay, next question. If you found a protomolecule sample today in the present, what would you do with it? Um, bury it as deeply as possible. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I've, I've read enough, you know. Uh, but it's I, I have no idea. Um, but yeah, I would, I would be very careful about that. I mean, because I, I, I fear that any government or organization that got hold of it would certainly try to use it in some capacity. So I would probably keep that pretty much to myself and hide it as best I could and then hand that legacy on to someone else. <laughs> have a second, you know? Yeah. Just keep it... Keep it hidden. Will it be this conspiracy theory for all time? This thing is hidden somewhere. Uh, best answer I can give. It's a good answer. I mean, I think a lot of people would be tempted 
Oh, I know. It's a lot of. <laughs> I mean, okay, yes. Nobody wants vomit zombies. It's, it's a low, low, uh, low threshold of good with vomit zombies. Almost nothing <laughs> goes well. In the I mean, really, it, I don't see that it really made improvements. I mean, going to other worlds, okay, that's cool. But then you have, well, I don't want to get into this. To, to late books yeah first, but yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right um if you could have grown up an earther a martian or a belter which one would you prefer oh that's hard i mean i i guess it depends what type of belter um if i like just had my choice i i would want to be out there among the stars okay and, and i'm gonna say this i think Honestly, what I would want to be is an Earther who left early. Hmm. Um, because I'd want the, the capability, especially if you're at, by book four or whatever, um, I'd want the capability to be able to go down to other and see other worlds yeah. without having to inject myself with all kinds of massive drugs or whatnot and medical procedures. But, um, but I'd want to be out there, you know, out in space. Yeah. So it's where all the, all the interesting stuff happens. Exactly. <laughs> all right uh next one we you have sort of answered already so we'll just read it out but it's how expansive is the expanse rpg and how expandable are we limited to our solar system or everywhere we can gate to and so he answered that everywhere you can gate to absolutely. everywhere everywhere <laughs> maybe even other places who knows <laughs> there's a lot of places and some of the late book series um, oddball systems. Exactly. Those will Which be cool. We, we do feature a few weirdos in uh, in uh, Beyond the Ring as well. Just like a few that are like, what the heck is this? What's going on? <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, that's going to that's gonna create a wide sandbox of styles of gameplay. Exactly. You could do anything. You could run a whole campaign. There, there are some of the systems that you could, you could easily run a whole campaign just on that system. All right. Uh, are there any mechanics from the Expanse RPG that you like enough that you would use them in your classic uh, modern AGE games? For example, uh, spending fortune to adjust roles or turn and complications. Yeah, the turn. Um, mm-hmm. I've honestly never run a modern age game myself. Uh, I've read the books you know, cover to cover, but I, I haven't actually run a modern age game but the churn i think is one of the coolest aspects of the expanse and partly because it comes the concept of it comes straight from the novels yeah um and so it it, it's such a beautiful tie-in to uh the the existing universe with rules yeah i mean chunky rules but it reflects that this this aspect of the storytelling in the expanse so perfectly um, so yeah, that would be it. Which I, I should say, yeah. what the I should probably just say what the churn is. Which yeah, add yeah, characters great. do things and have greater successes and things. The idea of the churn is eventually things go bad, um, no matter what, uh, no matter no matter how well you're doing, no matter how well life is going. Eventually, uh, there's an earthquake or someone gets sick or whatever. Things break. Airlock fails. Uh, airlock fails. And what the churn does is it, at certain points, uh, it sort of tracks how well the characters are doing. And at a certain point, the game master is given the opportunity to interject that kind of 
uh, sudden catastrophe into a story without coming off as just being a jerk. Um, mm-hmm. Cause it sucks when your game master says, okay, you go to turn on your Epstein drive and it fails, you know, and, and your, and your, uh, your reactor is overloading. Well, why we, we did everything right. What, you know, what, yeah. why would that happen? Well, the churn says, so. <laughs> you know, it, mm-hmm. it gives you that opportunity to create these story moments without uh, seeming like you're just being mean to the players. Have you ever, um, have you looked at the Forged in the Dark style games? Blades I in the am... Dark. Oh, yeah, yes, 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 yes. Um, so I recently, yeah, I recently won, or I recently ran uh, Scum and Villainy, and okay. that game uses uh, The Devil's Bargain. Right. And so for me, running The Expanse, that's what the churn felt like. It was mm-hmm. always that moment where as the game master, I was tempting the players. Like, oh, you could do a little bit more. I'll put the churn up though. Right. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And, and they'd be like, Oh, we know something bad's coming, but we need this win right now. Yep. And that's, that's fun. That's fun tension that gets created every session. Thanks. Yeah. The players can sort of get to choose their own doom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the best dooms are the ones they walk into. Right. Exactly. Um, okay. Next question. Is it difficult to write an RPG system in a universe that has tried so hard to stay grounded in real-world science? Does it make it more difficult when you have less ability to cut corners with the narrative? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Honest answer. Absolutely, yes. I have uh, learned more about astronomy and space travel in the last year. That, I mean, I know, I mean, at, at, you know, completely... Uh, just, you know, I'm not a professional at all, but uh, I knew a fair amount, but I, I've learned so much more um, while uh, trying to figure things out for the expanse. Uh, just, I mean, and, and all the little things you have to consider for every scene that happens in a story is, is this zero G or not, not zero G? <laughs> yeah, is it microgravity? Is it microgravity? Is it partial gravity? Is it full gravity? What's going on and how does that affect the scene? You know, can someone be walking on the wall up there or the ceiling? You know, mm-hmm. it, 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 there are just so many different possibilities with each thing. And you, and you have to consider all of that every single time. Um, and, and, and if it's on an onboard a ship, it could be variable, you know, yeah. at, at different times. So you have to account for that. Um, so, yeah, I, I would absolutely say, yes, it's required a ton of additional research uh, to, uh, to, to make this game. Um, cool. outside of just the, the, the uh, setting and the world. All right. Well, good answer. So, The Expanse has very different realities depending on what point in the books you take from. The first few books feature the proto-molecule, whereas later books uh, see the Mars Earth ceasefire and the war gates. How do you bring together those various realities? I'm assuming they mean in the products that are out right now, not necessarily in the ones that you're going to, but how would you like to answer? I mean, it sounds like it sort of goes back to what I was talking about initially in, the, in that we are sort of advancing the timeline with not with books as mm-hmm. we go, go through things. So it'll be sort of up to the players and the GM where and when they want to set things, or do they want right. to parallel, you know, the crew of the Rossi and start at the beginning and then like do some time jumps in mm-hmm. between. Um, yeah, it's certainly a viable way of running a campaign, but uh, there's what 30 years between novels at one point. 
So, yeah. I mean, you could run multiple campaigns that take place just within that time period. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's really going to be up to the players and the game master to pick and choose where they, how they, how they set their game. Um, I mean, obviously, we only have so much available right now. Um, that will change over time. So, or use your own imagination and go wild. <laughs> yeah. If you want, if you want to set something in book six, go ahead. You know, have fun. Okay. Um, so this one is similar again to the technology, but it's got a little bit of a spin at the end. So the expanse is known for getting combat in space, in particular zero gravity, microgravity, as realistic as possible from a scientific perspective. What challenges did your team have for designing rules specifically for microgravity, especially combat? And extra uh, shout out right here. Love the game. Played it a few times thanks to Freebooter uh, Freebooter Chris Hardigan. Looking forward to more expanse from Green Ronin Publishing. Awesome. Well, thank you first off. <laughs> Glad you're enjoying it. Um, I mean, the core rulebook actually really only touches on uh, on the differences in combat and different types of gravity. Um, that's one of the things actually I'm doing with Soul System is getting into that a little, in a lot more depth um, in how microgravity versus full gravity is going to affect people and whether you're a belter or an earther or a Martian yeah. in different gravities and having and having optional rules basically to have that impact. I don't, I, but any of these rules, anything for, you know from this point on is going to be optional um, because I don't want to require people to be bogged down with a whole bunch mm-hmm. of rules. If you want to use it, use it. If you don't want to use it, ignore it. Um, but yeah, it, currently the, the core book only sort of just touches on it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, there will be more. There will be more detail coming. Cool. And I, I think that the Adventure Game Engine is a really interesting system to do this all with. I'm a huge fan of the stunts. Like, yeah. It's just great cinematic fun play. Exactly. That's I, often um, it, it depends. Like it, generic systems like Age sometimes for me, and this is a personal preference, sometimes match up well with a particular setting, and sometimes not as much. Sometimes I want a system that's a little more geared towards the setting. But I think they manage, you know, with with the core book. In the original design, managed to take enough of the age system and then you know massage it a little bit with fortune and with the churn and things like that to really bring the expanse alive. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're coming to the end. We've oh. got four more questions. All right, let's do it. Are you planning any other game add-ons? Oh, well, we've got that. Got that in the bag. We figured that out. Uh, and will the original cast be added as pre-gen characters? <laughs> That's an interesting one. I, I mean, I don't know if we'll do anything official for that. Um, but, I mean, they are in the core rulebook. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the, 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 uh, the main characters, like you have Alex and, and Holden and such in they are in the core rulebook. So, I mean, I don't know if we're going to do anything further beyond that. Bobby, there's you know, yeah. Um, I don't think we're going to advance them or anything like 
have later versions of them. We might. I, I don't know. But yeah, it's not off the table. But no, it's not off the table. But it's not anything we specifically have planned. What game mechanic in the Expanse RPG do you feel best captures the spirit of adventure from the books or TV series, and why? It's a little different than the other question, so I, I, I will mm-hmm. answer it a little differently. And I think Fortune does that yeah, uh, to some degree, in that it allows, uh, allows players to really succeed when they really need to, to succeed, um, which is an aspect I really like um, because there are those times when, when uh, a player is making a, a role for something and it, it has to happen, you know, like if, if they don't do this, everyone dies. You know, yeah. It's like, ah, that's just awful. <laughs> if that fails, <laughs> everybody dies because of because a stupid die roll or they just get, or, or they just get held up in the story, you know? Um, I mean, in sort of a combination of stunts and and fortune can sort of work together with that, and that stunts can really uh, bring it alive and, and allow the story to be advanced further, especially if you're doing investigations or that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I pretty much my answer. I'd, I'd say yeah, fortune. and then and then it all dovetails together because the fortune modifies the dice to make the stunts, and modifying the dice makes the turn go up. Yep. And all turns together. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, okay, so another another sort of narrative and impact one. Uh, there are many moments in the books and the TV show which flip all of humanity's worlds upside down. How do these events pop up in a lengthier campaign? How drastically do they impact it? I mean, that is ultimately going to be up to your game master and the players, you know, how, how, how to, you know, the type of story you want to tell. I mean, I, I could see running campaigns that, that don't really deal with that sort of, with, with the big events, um, with the, you know, the protomolecule. Yeah, it might be happening over there, but, you know, your, your ship's a, you know, merchant ship and you're, you're doing your thing, you know, and yeah. dealing with, with smaller time bad guys and such. But I, so that's really going to be up to you. Um, in Abzu's Bounty, uh, I don't want to give away spoilers for that. Let me think here. But uh, there are definitely some reveals that happen um, that parallel uh, the series. Um, and, uh, you know, sorrow moments for the players who go, ah, you know, what are we going to do? Um, things are different. Uh so yeah, that's the best answer I can give on that uh, because it, there's nothing built in. We don't have, you know, within the game itself, nothing built in. I mean, in adventures that I personally write, I I, I like to have a moment of shock horror, you know, because I think it's one of the things The Expanse does really well is it actually brings, it's always sort of felt like a little bit of horror sci-fi, yeah. um, at least a lot of it, not not all of it, but especially the earlier season had that, oh, yeah. you know, this is almost as much a horror story as a sci-fi story. Mm-hmm. I I really sort of definitely in the second book, like obviously the first book when they're in Eros and everything. Yeah. But the second when Holden's alone on the Martian on the Martian ship, like yep, that's yeah. that's beautiful, like it's alien horror. style horror. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Okay. Um. You know what I think we should do? I think we should do the last draw. And then we'll do the last question. So we have we have already awarded Chase three one four, right? So we'll roll again for our second and final giveaway. One more d ten. 
And I got a nine, which would be Steve Toto. Steve Toto, congratulations. You will be getting that PDF. Enjoy it, sir. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last question. Are you ready? Sorry. I'm ready. In a tough spot, who would you rather have your back? Drummer, Draper, or Amos? That is so hard. Right? <laughs> I saved the best one for last. Yeah. See, Amos is my boy because he's from Baltimore and I'm from Baltimore. So mm. I, I, I probably... I. Mm, but Draper is more skilled. It would depend what it is, but I, I'm going to have to go with Amos mm. because, you know, hometown solidarity. Uh, and <laughs> is in your travels, have you found that everywhere is Baltimore? Yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> oh, the, the Baltimore lines, I, I laugh every time because they're always so appropriate. And I don't think either Ty or Daniel is, are actually from Baltimore, but they managed to capture it so beautifully, mm. <laughs> especially in the churn. So, yeah, I, I, I could see this. <laughs> I could see this coming. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat on the podcast and answer our questions. Oh, absolutely. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> Definitely. Thanks for listening to this episode of Massive Damage Adventures. We do a different one-shot every month, and I hope you check out our next one. Please rate and subscribe and follow us on Twitter at SkyhammerK and on Instagram at Skyhammer Press. Also, if you want monthly releases of homebrew content, pledge to our Patreon as a $3 minstrel at patreon.com slash skyhammerpress.